And it's lights out and away we go. And like a big buttery biscuit, we are ready to roll. As always, I am your host, Ian. And I'm Marco. Man, we are deprived of Formula One. This is week two. Is it week two or week three of our drought? Um, I would kill to see a race car go vroom. Um, And yeah, I think that's kind of where we are. we got a pretty short one for you. Go over some recent headlines, just some funny stuff happening in the world of F1. We got a driver's spotlight for a young Mick, Mick Schumacher. Uh, and then a quick little story just to top you off, tide you over until we get to see the cars go vroom again. So I guess let's start out here. Marco, how we doing? How you been? Tell me about your life. Not too bad. Uh, like we said, it's just uh, my, you know, I feel like kind of empty, a little empty shell of me uh, that I'm not being able to to really watch, you know, fully envelop myself into this racing sport that we call Formula One. But outside of that, yeah, uh, you know, life's dim. But what are you going to do? Life's dim and it keeps getting worse year after year. It just keeps dimmer. Nice. Um, all right. On that good note, let's get into some recent headlines having to do strictly with Formula One here. Um, starting off, OnlyFans is going to ban all explicit content on its platform. Your thoughts? I mean, it, it's about time. I feel like, you know, the platform that I was seeing <laughs> just was saying some terrible, terrible things. And just, I just was, I was tired of it. Just reeked of the devil. And I'm glad we're getting rid gross. of this absolutely yeah. disgusting content that we have. It's about time they put their foot down. I know I've been just, if you didn't notice, I've actually had a lot of GoFundMes trying to pull and pull together some petitions trying to stop this nonsense. And I'm glad they finally came to their senses. Yeah, I don't know how many Facebook groups that I've absolutely spammed with this exact idea. So I'm glad that they're finally getting their shit together and putting an end to this devil work. <laughs> All right, and our next Formula One topic, uh, Valtteri Bottas, the Finn decides to enter a bike race. Um, it's actually in Colorado, believe it or not. So, yeah, your boy didn't make it, unfortunately, to see a bunch of bikes race. Uh, but he word on the street is that he ended up in second place, which is very unlikely for Valtteri. Your thoughts? Yeah, I feel like it's just in his blood to, to <laughs> just kind of, no matter what the circumstances, it seems like second is second seat uh, has been in second in the championship for quite some time. It's just it's what he does best. Yes. He's best at being second best. I mean, if second place is a competition, then he wins every time. Uh, I bet even that he somehow finds a way to get in second place. Yeah, either one person's better at being in second place than him. True. Yeah. Love it. Uh, moving on, uh, some sad, sad news. We have the Japanese Grand Prix canceled. Kind of confusing here because they had the Olympics there the last couple months with thousands and thousands of athletes down there. Didn't seem like they uh, had any problems there. Didn't really run into many uh, COVID-related issues uh, going on. Yet, uh, still, uh, they feel that Formula One is where they will put their foot down, draw the line, and that is now off the grid, off the scheduling for the remaining of the year, which is another one that we're losing. So uh, tough, tough to see. I think the Japanese Grand Prix was always one of my favorite ones to look at. Yeah, and I know the the Taliban is back, but it seems like the real terrorists are over in Japan trying to suck all the fun out of the world. Um, and yeah, this is absolute bullshit. I think the last Olympic event was 12 days ago, so it makes zero sense to me that we can have some Olympics go on. Like you said, thousands of athletes down competing. Um, even if we didn't do it with fans, which is going to be probably what we do with a lot of these Grand Prix, makes zero sense to me that we can't at least run. So... Hats off to that bullshit. 
All right, moving on. Fernando Alonso calls out the British bias in the media. This is actually something that I don't think I realized uh, existed until recently. But the quote we have for Fernando is, especially Max, because he's the younger guy fighting with the legend, with the champion. He's not British, so it will always be more difficult for him. Um, I think this is something I always see in like F1 Twitter. They always talk about how much everybody really hops on Lewis Hamilton's balls. Um, and makes it so that he kind of is the one and only true messiah um, when there are other very good racers out there. But, yeah, it's good to see, you know, got to have checks and balances even in the media, especially in a sport that is so British-dominated as Formula One. Yeah, I feel like uh, Alonso is just a quote machine these last couple weeks. He's always getting interviewed about interesting or hot topics going on. I don't know what the deal is with that, but, yeah, just making headlines again, good for him. Up next, we have NASCAR versus Formula One drivers face off in a Rocket League Speed Demon showdown. So if any listeners don't know, Rocket League is a video game where you're basically playing soccer with flying cars. Uh, Very fun, very uh, entertaining to watch. And so they're going to bring in uh, a NASCAR driver as well as a Formula One driver. Who was the biggest question that we were wondering with NASCAR? Uh, Huge shout out to NASCAR. Eric Al Morola, uh, classic. One of my favorite drivers. One of my favorite. Just can't get enough of them. Is actually facing off with Formula One's own Sergio Perez. So I'm very excited to see their. I believe it actually uh, is happening today. Yes, it is happening on August 19th. So yeah, curious to see what their Xbox, their hand-eye coordination on the sticks are going to be. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's very fun to kind of. Find some ways to bring in, you know, a couple of different of the driving sports together. It's like the crossover episodes. You remember when there was like a fairly odd parents crossover with Jimmy Neutron? Of course. How could I forget? How could you forget? Monumental moment in the culture of America. Um, Eric Almirola, last win for him was 2017, which coincidentally was your last win against me in Rocket League. How about that? I just, I don't think that's true, but... Moving on, Mercedes is leaving Formula E to focus on F1. So much for caring for the environment. Lewis has been deafeningly silent about this. Um, Obviously, Formula E is the formula electricity or electric. What do you think the E stands for there, actually? I have no idea. Formula electric? Formula electronic. Oh, okay. Formula... Yeah, something like that. Sure. (laughs) They took over a team in Season 6 and won in both Season 6 and 7, and now they are out of here. So, yeah, kind of interesting move. You'd think that they'd want to lean a little bit more toward the environmental-friendly side of things, but clearly that just is not the case. So, uh, bye-bye Mercedes and Formula E. Yeah, interesting that they could come in in two seasons, win the championship, and they're both, I don't know if they're just losing money, and if they're losing money and coming in first, I'm assuming that everyone else is probably losing a tremendous amount of money as well. (laughs) Um, So I'm not really, I didn't really see the cause of why this happened. They did say that they wanted to focus on Formula One, so whatever that may be, maybe they're just seeing that, you know, they have a close competition with Red Bull going on, and they're like, we're not having any of this shit going on, so all hands on deck for, for Formula One. Yeah, which, I mean, good on Red Bull if that's the case of making them sweat by breathing down their neck. Exactly, yeah. What if Red Bull just pulls out of the energy drink game just to focus on Formula One? They said, no, (laughs) no, if you're going to drop Formula E, we're going to drop this fucking drink. What if Red Bull pulls out of Formula One to focus on Formula E, zig while everyone else zags? 
Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah. Uh, sorry, Max. I know you like the rev of an engine, but get used to this fucking thing. Yeah, get used to this little radio car that doesn't make any noise. And last thing that we have for our recent headlines, Formula One boss and lesbian lover murdered in bed by her hubby. That is a quote from a an article. That was not our little lingo that we said, so I found that really entertaining. But um, this was uh, the CEO who was a, a female. She had been the CEO of Spa, the Formula One circuit in Belgium since 2016. Her husband was also well-known in Formula One circles. They were both former drivers and have been married for a long 17 years. So yeah, he walked in on uh, his wife and her lesbian lover together, killed them both, and then it turned out to be a murder-suicide. So pretty tragic. I didn't realize that there were CEOs of circuits. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, just, um, you know, a tough, tough day for, for the Formula One family. Yeah, I mean, after as heartwarming of a time that we had in Hungary with Esteban Ocon getting his first win in Formula One, George Russell scoring his first points for Williams, uh, same with Nicholas Latifi, it makes sense that on the other side of the coin we have to have this absolutely horrendous kind of like murder mystery type uh, like murder novel type story um, where, yeah, husband walks in on his wife who later finds out that she is a switch hitter, as they say, about the bisexuals. And, yep, kills both of them and kills himself. So happy ending for all. Lovely. Well, on that very positive note, let's talk about one of the up-and-comers in the F1 grid. His dad was a seven-time world champion. His kind of very often argued as the GOAT or the greatest of all time in the Formula One world. And yeah, his son Mick Schumacher. Marco's going to give us a little bit of a rundown on him. All right, so talking about Mick Schumacher, Mick was born March 22nd, 1999. That makes me feel extremely old, seeing that a 1999 Formula One driver He is a Swiss-born German. I don't know if that's a normal thing or not. And if you were, as Ian said, if you were born under a rock and didn't know, Papa Bear is none other than seven-time world champion Michael Schumacher. But what you probably didn't know, his mom was a European champion in Western riding, which I believe is horse racing. I uh, did not really look that up, but I'm pretty sure it's horse racing. So winning has always been in his blood. He is a member of the Ferrari Driver Academy. Uh, Mattia Bonotto has made some recent remarks about how impressed he was with Mick so far this year, which is very interesting. He even went on to say that he believed he could actually drive for Ferrari as early as 2023 season, which is coming up pretty soon. And with the strong drivers that they have in store, uh, would be very interested to see what happens there. Uh, That is a discussion for another time, but found that interesting. He started karting in 2008 seeing all these years just still makes me feel very, very old. In 2011, 12, and 13, he came in third for a number of different circuits and uh, racing events. Then he came in second in 2014. A very cool thing is he actually used the surname Mick Jr. and never really told people his last name. Uh, As great of a surname and fake name that it was, saying Mick Jr., it did not take long for the press to figure that out, especially how well he was doing in these karting. And by 2015, this super child was racing in Formula 4. 
He raced for Van Amsterfort Racing under his real name. He then switched to Prima Power Team, which is a team that has close links to Ferrari Driver Academy, hence him being a member of the Ferrari Driver Academy. He finished second in 2015. In 2016, he made his first appearance in F3, partaking in the MRF Challenge located in India, and coming in, you guessed it, third again. In 2017, he debuted in the FIA F3 European Championship with, again, Prima Power Team. That year, he finished 12th overall with his best finish, third at Monza. He continued driving with Prima in 2018, but it took him about 15 races to get his first win at Spa. Uh, Some say that it was a real bang, bang, bang at Spa that day. Shots all around, the people at Spa um, were saying. Knock him dead as well. So I think Spa has just a running thing with all that. Am I right? That's uh, so fucked up. <laughs> I was like, what does he mean? Uh, you know, it's a highbrow joke that we have here at the Eaton Asphalt. He was 10th prior to this race. And then after he went into, as people say, murder mode, not murder-suicide mode, taking seven more wins, including five consecutive. He actually finished 57 points clear of second place. Suck it. Uh, And then after winning the 2018 FIA F3 European Championship, he progressed into Formula 2 in 2019, still sticking with Prima. He finished that year 12th place of the championship with 53 points, but was well ahead of his teammate. In 2020, he was joined with reigning F3 champion and fellow Ferrari Driver Academy member Robert Schwartzman, who has been in talks and consideration to make the jump potentially in the coming years to F1. He was just 14 points going to the second last race of the year at Sakir, where he qualified a career-worst 18th following an incident with another driver. He made up that with a sixth-place finish, where the points uh, stayed the same going to the final round at the outer track, still at Sakir. The final race was a battle where he was defending Callum Illot, the guy who was actually second place in the championship. Due to this uh, heavy attack uh, the first half of the race, his tires were pretty shot and he was forced to pit, putting him out of the points, which was, you know, with a 14-point gap, uh, pretty scary. But luckily, Iat's tires were poor due to his hard attacking and also fell out of the points. So, alas, he did end up winning the 2020 F2 championship, where we catch up to 2021 today, where he started off his rookie season with Haas, if you have been paying attention to the season at all. Haas has just uh, had a couple tough years, especially, you know, this with having two rookie drivers. His teammate is Nikita Mazepin, the legend uh, soon to be. They actually raced in go-karts when they were growing up, which I found a little fun uh, fact. But he has pretty much been out-qualifying him, out-placing him in most of the races this year. So definitely has some good speed. And as Bonotto had mentioned, you know, a lot of people were impressed with, you know, the car that he has uh, currently, how well he is actually, the pace he's had and how well he's done. So uh, that's a little quick story in life about Mick Schumacher. Uh, Anything you want to add? Anything that you found interesting? No, I think the only thing that you didn't mention was that Mick Schumacher is the only driver to have uh, full speed been passed by Nikita Mazepin in a very clean overtake. So, um, only driver on the grid to be passed by Nikita Mazepin. Full speed. Yep. Let's talk about the negatives, I guess. Which bit? I mean, you were talking about shots and a bang, bang, bang at Spa. Well, yeah, because he he came in first, his first victory in Spa. So like shots, bang, bang, hooray, shots all around, knock him dead. That's a positive. But I mean, you know. To each of their own, I guess. You're right. I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was, you know, back to the drawing board. (laughs) (laughs) All right, excellent job. Uh, Yeah, the only thing, I mean, not much to add on on Mick Schumacher. I think he did a pretty good job. I think, obviously, it sucks having that massive shadow over you of, like, hey, your dad's a seven-time world champion. Like, you know, at least live up somewhat. Uh, to, to the expectations that come out of that. But it seems like he's been doing pretty well. I think he's always got a super, super positive attitude. Um, if you were listening to the Eaton Asphalt podcast a couple episodes ago, you know that he listens to nature sounds when he gets ready for a race while Nikita Mazepin, his teammate, is bumping some hardcore Russian techno music. So, yeah, I think that, I mean, like, as silly as an anecdote as that is, it's a good kind of insight into his personality of just, like, calm, cool, collected, um, you know, super focused. And I think uh, if he's racing in Ferrari at 2023 and Ferrari can get their shit together, I mean, you know, who's to say that he's not going to be, uh, be you know, in the running for, for you know, at least supporting a, a championship driver in, in Charles Leclerc. But, yeah, we can we can wait and see on that. And moving on to our last sector of the day, we have a little fun story from Ian. But before we get there, we do have a an ad. We have been off the last couple of weeks. Sponsors have been uh, pretty hot and cold here, but we did pick one up. This part of the podcast is brought to you by IndyCar. With the Formula One fans stuck with nothing to do these next couple of weeks, we have a great replacement for you. IndyCar is fun, all-inclusive sport that is open to any and all fans. We have drivers come from all different walks of life, including elderly folks like Jimmy Johnson to young bucks like Renus VK. 42 of the world's top, I don't know, maybe 200 drivers or so race in this electric sport. As a Formula One fan, there are some familiar faces that you'll see that will leave you asking for more. The historically impressive Haas boys featuring the wrecking ball Dane Kevin Magnuson and the human fireball himself, Roman Grosjean, have been dominating the sport currently 40th and 17th respectfully, as well as Juan Pablo Montoya currently 29th. Rumors have it F1 has been begging for these studs to come back, but these guys just can't stay away from the sport of the future. If you like four-hour races that include half the laps in yellow flags, then look no further than IndyCar. As you could see a couple weeks ago in Nashville, that was a testament to that. IndyCar, it's Formula One with one-tenth the budget. Hooray. Thank you, IndyCar, the sport of the future, as Marco said. Let's move on to the story of the week. Today's story involves Amika Salo. Do you recognize that name just as uh, in your, within your Formula One fandom? Yeah, she was very attractive back in the day. Okay, you're thinking of someone else. Mika Salo was a Finnish driver <laughs> from um, user race in Formula 3000. Um, one of these days I got to map up uh, like all of the formulas that exist because obviously F1, F2, F3, maybe F4 if that's still around, Formula E, Formula Renault, Formula 3000, European formula. Um, yeah, I mean, I just got to... Got to get all these suckers in uh, in line because there's too many of them. Uh, but Mika Salo used to race in Formula 3000. This is around 1994. Um, do you remember the Lotus team or have you heard the name the Lotus team before? I do recall a story from you earlier this year about the Lotus team. Yeah, Lotus is uh, back in 2012. You might remember Lotus F1 team getting in a bit of hot water with one Kimi Raikkonen because they offered him a $6.7 million per year, uh, or sorry, million euro per year contract um, with an added bonus of 50,000 euros per point. That's a nice little contract bonus over over a two-year period, so 2012 and 2013. 
The owners and then bosses at Lotus didn't really anticipate Kimi to be able to come back to Formula One in the way he did, nor did they expect their car to be very fast. So on a 6.7 million euro per year contract over two years, Kimi Raikkonen got a $19.5 million bonus for (laughs) winning 390 points over the course of two seasons. So this would essentially be like, I was thinking about it, like kind of like Esteban Ocon being offered 50 million bucks per point or 50,000 bucks per point and then all of a sudden he finishes in third place in the driver's championship like this was so out of bounds for them um you know him getting essentially like three plus like over three times the amount of his like salary just in the bonus literally almost put lotus out of business so um like that's kind of who we're talking about here that was in, in around 2012 2013 but if you go back further, like eight years before that, this is where this story takes place with Amika Salo. Amika Salo, as I mentioned, he was racing in Formula 3000, didn't really get a chance to be in Formula 1, um, always wanted to, that was always his dream. He had some backers, he had connections just based off of his parents. And then one day, the Lotus team back in 1994, as they were coming up on the Japanese Grand Prix, decided that they wanted some Finnish money um, in the car. And for that, you have to get a Finnish driver. So they tap Mika Salo. Peter Collins is the team boss over at Lotus at this point. Gives Mika a call, says, hey, Mika, how would you like your dreams to come true and for you to race in the Lotus car for the last two races of the 1994 season? Kind of the footnote here is Johnny Herbert, who is a Sky F1 commentator. He was racing for them at that, po- at that point. Herbert the pervert. What's that? It's his nickname, Herbert the Pervert. Yeah, Herbert the Pervert, known for uh, several appearances on the grid and several appearances in the Me Too movement as well. Um, but yeah, Johnny Herbert gets the fuck out of Lotus because it's run so poorly. Money's tossed around in all the wrong ways. And for the last two uh, races of the season, Japan and Australia, Peter Collins, who's the boss, taps Mika and says, hey, you know, come race with us for these last two races. Mika's ecstatic. He's like, of course, like this has been what I've been kind of driving toward all of my life. You know, what do I have to, what do I have to do? Where do I have to be? I know I haven't tested, but put me in that car. Peter Collins says, congratulations. We're excited to have you aboard. One quick thing, one little thing is that we do need about 500 million francs. So we <laughs> like, essentially it's the equivalent of like, hey, come race for these two races but it's going to cost you about a quarter mil. Um, and so, you know, Mika being the resourceful guy that he is, instead of getting discouraged by that, he's not a super rich guy, but he's a well-connected guy. He says, okay, fine, give me, you know, give me a couple days. He doesn't even need the couple days. He just basically needs one evening where he calls. First, he calls the CEO of Nokia, the Japanese head of Nokia. Then the CEO or the Japanese head of Honkaraken, which is a Finnish log home company. So picture like a little, you know, little log home that you just build kind of like out of the box, basically. Um, And finally, with their money and his money, he puts all of them together so that he can finally race in the pinnacle of racing in Formula One. Two races left. The results are a P10, which at that point did not get you any points in 1994. P10 sounds good, obviously, when there's 25 cars racing, 26 cars racing, but really 13 of the 26 cars DNF'd in the Japanese Grand Prix. Uh, And then the last race of the season, they go to Australia, and he retires within the first three laps, 
due to an electrical failure. So basically, this guy, uh, you know, gathered together around quarter million dollars, uh, and yep, yeah, and he got to race about 1.1 races. He ended up racing a couple more seasons in F1 with a, a couple of different teams, but yeah, that was the uh, the Mika Salo story. They Lotus called him up, basically said, "You can come race with us if you pay to play." He said, "Fine," and that launched his Formula One career. Yeah, it's kind of like the drivers that we're seeing today that have that financial backing. It's just done in a much much different way than we're typically used to seeing. Yeah, you're right. It's it's essentially like if you told somebody in Formula Three that, "Hey, you want to race in F1?" That sounds great. You just got five days to raise approximately $4 million. Like, go ahead. Like, go. <laughs> like, see how well you can. Yeah, good for him. Good for him, to Like, I, I feel like if I were presented in that, I think there'd be a little bit of spite being like, really? You're going to ask me to do this and then expect me to just fork over this much money? But, I, I mean, this is clearly part of the game because I think that that's what most drivers are required so good for him to just you know put his head down use those resources put put up some of his own money and yeah and so i think honestly he probably got uh, you know it was one of those bet on yourself where you're gonna put that put that type of money up and then if he was you know if that was a reason that got him to to race a couple more seasons that yeah he probably definitely uh made that money up pretty quick so good for him for yeah uh, betting on himself and glad it worked out for the guy yeah ended up racing another eight years in formula one so pretty impressive overall yeah well, that seems like it does it for the end of episode 24 of the Eaton Asphalt podcast. As always, really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, really appreciate you guys interacting with us on social media. Continue to to do that. I, we find it really entertaining, well worth it to, to talk to some people that have, uh, you know, huge F1 fans uh, and, you know, like keeping up with the podcast as well. Before we go, Ian, any last thoughts? Uh, nope, just that I had COVID last week and I have food poisoning today. So, so there you go. This is what this is what happens when F one is void in your life for a couple of weeks. You just start falling apart. I might sue the FIA for emotional and physical trauma. Yeah, dude. I mean, shit. Maybe uh, yeah. Put that in that lawsuit. It's like uh, I'll I'll let you off the hook if you let me in the race in the last two races. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like I'll 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 raise some money. I got I got some uh, I got some connections. I'll you know it's like Bernie Sanders. You just you just raise little bits, uh, but from a lot of people. I could get into that car. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. Maybe yeah, start a GoFundMe or something. Yeah. By the way, on an unrelated note, I need to borrow some money. Fair enough. All right, we'll start a GoFundMe because it's not coming from me. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate everybody listening. We will be back. I think are we were going to record when they're, yeah, I think this next week will be the build up to spa. So uh, we will see everybody and be in your ears, all up in your earballs then. Didn't like that, but thank you guys again, <laughs> and we'll see you guys next week. All right. See, see you, assholes. assholes. Bye-bye.